Good morning, church. Um, if you're a guest here, so am I. Uh, I'm visiting, and, and one of the things I love about Cornerstone is um, they're committed to making Christianity weird again. And uh, uh, weird in the best way, the, the weirdness of, um, of real love, of people who, who love well. Um, I, I was, I've been here a number of times this week, because I, I might have mentioned in the sermon last week that if anybody wants to do a Bible study about baptism, I'd make myself available. So I think this is my third time here this week, which was awesome. Uh, obviously, I'm no good at Bible studies because uh, only one person's been baptized this morning, so it didn't work. Um, no, the truth is, uh, as Tara alluded to, that there will be uh, uh, baptisms in weeks to come as well as uh, people are responding, which is really exciting. But one of the reasons I was here earlier in the week was um, to hear my brother Reza, um, who shared with uh, the Alter One kids just up here. Um, if you're visiting, you might not be aware that during the week, um, this sanctuary is turned into a school where kids who have dropped out of uh, mainstream schools, um, there's beautiful, amazing teachers like Sister Hannah who's here this morning who um, gives her life to working with these kids that everybody else has written off. Cornerstone, I think, is one of the most beautiful names for a church, that the, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. It's become the most important stone. And if you're here this morning and you're like, I'm here because uh, my mate's getting in the water and uh, so I just want to support them but I'm not really into the weirdness. I hope the weirdness you encounter this morning is this love. Is this love that uh, we will see Sister Sharon immersed in this morning. We pray that the waters of that weirdness will start to wash on us even as we talk this morning. As the slides come up, and our first slide, um, we're in a series called Sacramental Fire. And sacramental is a word that we don't often use, but um, here's, here's my little definition to put in your pocket that you can pull out at any time. Sacraments are those things that God has asked from us that God shows promises to show up in. Sacraments are where grace gets at us. So things like baptism, that this isn't just a sign. And in some of our uh, Bible studies this week, um, I think it was Sister Katie who asked, like, is, so this is just an illustration. It's like, no, 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 this is a mystery where you become an illustration. And this morning we'll look at, like, you become a sign of what, you become an illustration of what, what's actually going on here. And there's a, there's a depth here. But God asks us to do certain things to form us in certain ways, where the grace that saves us becomes the grace that we live. So this uncontrollable, gratuitous grace, this unfailing love actually becomes not just what saved us, but how we live and work out that salvation, that we start to participate in that kind of love. And so to illustrate that, last week um, we talked about two years ago and uh, Mother Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston in North Carolina. And we told the story of how uh, at a Bible study on a Wednesday night with phenomenal people, people who serve their community in beautiful ways, a young man named Dylan Ruth walked in and he sat for an hour in a Bible study. And then after the Bible study was finishing, as they were about to say the benediction, he pulled out a gun and shot these Christians because they were black. His desire was to start a race war. His desire was actually to flame a race war in the US. He reloaded his, rifle, his, his weapon five times, killing nine people. Now that is shocking and it showed up in the press because it is so awful, but what also showed up in the press and what flooded the press was the church's response. 
And this sacramental fire that we're talking about is how do we become formed in such a way where baptism is not a once-off event that saves us, but it actually becomes a daily pattern of our life. Reza, Dawood, excuse me everyone for one second. I'm going to hug these guys. Welcome, guys. Uh, I'm a guest here as well. Pull up anywhere. Now, I know this lady is lovely. Maybe you can sit with... Um, a little later on, I want to I talk about um, Reza and Darwood. But first, let me show you something of the response of these Christians. The video you're about to watch, which is different to the ones we watched last week, and some of you are like, Jared, don't you have a different sermon illustration? Didn't you do this one last week? I don't think God is finished with us with this one. Like the number of people who, who said that, that touched them. In, I, I thought about going to like how the Amish responded in 2006 to that um, school massacre, but uh, God hasn't finished talking to us about the witness of these martyrs. These people aren't merely victims. They're martyrs because this for them was an event that then formed the rest of their life. So I want to sh show this video as a way of us entering in. And uh, then we'll, we'll read the passage that we'll look at today. I might get you to help me preach it. It's only uh, five verses, so maybe we can preach it together. And then we'll open that up and, and we'll prepare our hearts for this beautiful thing that we're about to see. Does that sound like okay way to spend our time? Dr. Tash, do you have the video there? When you're ready. Thanks. And our question in this series is, how do you love like that? Now, it's one thing for a preacher to talk about a love like that. It's one thing to say, God loves like that. But this declares that God wants to love like that through us. That God has loved us like that. That though God first loved us, that's how we can love. And these sacraments, these things that God asks us for, these aren't dead rituals. These need to be living rituals. We're not to be liberated from rituals. We need liberating rituals. These are the very patterns and ways of being where baptism, 
what we will see Sharon go through today becomes a daily reality that becomes a pattern of our life where we die to our old self that was named less than something other than a child of God and we raise in the power of Christ to love like God has loved us. That that's what we're being formed for. That that's what every time we gather here together is to remind ourselves prophetically of what God has done for us, God wants to do through us and that's what it is to be the church. And when we were talking about this week, Sister Katie, she asked the question of, well, why was Jesus baptized? So we're going to answer that question with Matthew chapter 3, starting at verse 13. And because it's short, I'm going to ask you to preach it after me. So I'll, I'll read uh, the verse and then I'll ask you to just repeat it after and we'll go one through one. Now, one of the things that I love that when you worship in some churches is that to show respect for the written word and that the living word is present amongst us we stand for the gospel so why don't we stand together and let's preach this together in such a way that we can work out before the bodies are even in the ground how is it that you can offer this kind of forgiveness how can you respond to a killer and speak life over him how can you say to, to repent and to confess and to give your life to the one that matters most. How do you respond like that? And the witness of Mother Emmanuel Church is to say that it's by spending time in the reality of who God is until you get caught up, you trade in all the stuff that we lose ourselves in in the water and gain in the water. So let's preach it together. Starting at verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Your turn. Go for it. But John tried to deter him. No, no, no. Well, again, again. I'll go one verse and you just repeat after. So we'll start again at 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan. Let's start there. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. That's right. JC is just ready to preach himself. JC is like, Jared, I'm taking over. The next bit, of course, is to be baptized by John. Your turn. To be baptized by John. Now we've got it. John tried to deter him. John tried to deter him. Saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to baptize me? Saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. Jesus replied, Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this. It is proper for us to do this. To fulfill all righteousness. To fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. He went up out of the water. At that moment heaven was opened. At that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descend. And he saw the Spirit of God descend. Like a dove lighting on him. Like a dove lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said. And a voice from heaven said. This is my son. This is my son. Whom I love. Whom I love. And with him I am well pleased. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you take the written word and you, by your spirit, you point to 
the living word. Jesus, come and move amongst us. Holy Spirit, take these words, take these things that are found on my lips and the meditation of our hearts, and may there be something that is pleasing to you. Would you reveal yourself in all of this? Would you move this from ideas and mere information and would you come and show up and show us a revelation of who you are that we might gaze upon your beauty and be so caught up in that that we too, either for the first time or for the thousandth time, want to die to our old self, our old ways and be raised with you to live in your way. Jesus, we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please have a seat. This is the newspaper article that made the front page. When this young guy, what he wanted to make the front page was a race war, and what made the front page was the church's response. We forgive you. Hate will not win. These are the incredible people, including four pastors that were killed including an incredible young man who volunteers with kids who have dropped out of school, a woman who um, uh, served in the church, she was in her late 70s and, and cleaned the church and had served the church her whole life. These are people who were formed in such ways where the sacraments had become such a reality for them that they had become a sacrament for the world. It's like some of you remember old compasses, not as in north, south, east, west, but the compasses you used in math, like some, some of us are old enough where we actually had a physical compass in maths and we had to draw the circles and it wasn't just computer generated. But how it worked is you'd have to point the pointy end down in one spot. And then from there, if it went down deep enough, you could draw larger and larger circles from there. And the circles could get wider and wider and wider. The sacraments is the first point where we, we are promised that God is present here. And as we come to learn and expect that and experience that, we can start to see God's presence elsewhere. Next week when we look at the Eucharist, when we look at communion, when we look at the Lord's table, we will look at how learning to recognize Christ here helps us learn to recognize Christ in the lost, the last, the least, the left out and the looked over, that this becomes a pattern of our life. But these people were formed in such a way where these sacraments weren't empty rituals, they were set on fire with the presence of God. And so I want the best of both worlds. And the amazing thing about the African Methodist Episcopal Church is that it's really traditional in some ways. They, they um, have a, a call to the table, which is really traditional, a confession, which is really traditional, a benediction, which is really traditional. And yet you see a sister doing like um, helicopter, Pentecostal two-step prayer dance in the corner while all that is going on. I want the best of both worlds. I, I don't want just spiritual one-night stands where it all becomes about my experience instead of God becoming my experience. Do you hear the difference? It's the difference between being formed in something and just being entertained by something. It's that, do we come in here this morning as consumers of religious goods and services and we assess, hmm, I mean, Kat was good this morning. She's got a number one hit on Triple J. But other weeks, like, I'm not sure if I really appreciate And the preaching this morning is like, hmm, Jared wasn't as tight as he's need to be. And we went three minutes over this morning. I'm not sure if I'm going to tithe. And uh, the coffee was a little burnt this morning. And we let the shopping centre form how we engage in the sanctuary instead of let the sanctuary engage how we form in the shopping centre. So we are formed by false ideologies and false 
idolatry, that we end up approaching our Christianity as, what has God done for me? And the answer is, you heard of Jesus? Quite a bit. And the question is, how are we getting caught up in that reality? How are we being immersed in this reality? So here's my own baptism, right? I'm 13 years old. And my dad, who's here this morning, and my mum, hi Bernie, hi Faye, uh, I won't embarrass you, but um, that's them right there. <laughs> as a kid, uh, well, not just as a kid, uh, I'm dyslexic and I have ADD, and the way that I dealt that with at school was uh, with my tongue. I was quick with my tongue, and when that didn't work, I was quick with my fists, and I spent a lot of time sitting on the bench. Um, and uh, if, if Jesus didn't get a hold of me when he did, um, the, my heart for the incredible work that you do with Alter One is that I look at those kids and incredible teachers like Hannah, and I'm just like, it's teachers like that and communities like this that loved me well enough to know that there is more to me than those things that I was labelled by. The things that you're a bad kid, you're a lazy kid, you're a stupid kid, you've got nothing to give, this is going to be... And yet I was loved by my folks in such a way where they told me of this Jesus who loved me, loved me so much that he came and he died and he rose for me and that he had a plan for me. And so I was in Wembley Food Court, <laughs> not the most spiritual of places, over a plate of nachos. And I'm 13 years old and I look up, I'm first year of high school, and I look up from this plate of nachos and I say, Mum and Dad, I want to be baptised and just start crying. And then my sister starts crying. And then my mum starts crying. Then Dad starts crying. And everybody in the food hall are looking around going, bad nachos like what's the deal like you know like um uh, did somebody die and the truth is that somebody did start to die i realized that because jesus had taken it all on for me that i could die to all those labels that put on me both the good stuff and the bad stuff that said i was something less than a child of god so in the family swimming pool the next morning sunday morning while mum and dad's friends from the house church that they were part of stood around the outside of the family swimming pool and sung, I've decided to follow Jesus. My dad baptised me. And I came out of that water with all the promises that are in scripture about this. And that's why I, I, I'm like, don't reduce this to merely a sign. Because scripture says that the remission of sins are caught up in what happens here. Even if it's like an inflatable pool that is—it's actually heated, which is pretty impressive. That it's—it's—it's not—it's not always. There's a testimony of somebody who's been baptized here on a cold day. That what's promised here is the forgiveness of sins. What's promised here is the seal of the Holy Spirit. What's promised here is incorporation into a people. That it's not joining a club as much as it is being a part of this cause of grace. This isn't just about, like, Jared got religion. It's that Jared joined God's love revolution. That the love that God has for us, God longs to live that love through us, not in our own power, but in the power that rose Jesus from the grave. All of that is promised here. Now, strangely, Sharon, today you will enter into a time machine. That this is, this is an eschatological event. This is fancy language for that God has a future in mind. And you always have to worry about people who talk about end times too much. You know those Christians? <laughs> you know the ones with the maps? I mean, bless them. 
But you, you know, the, like, don't lose in terms of end time. The point is that God has an end in mind. That history is going somewhere. And in Jesus, we see that show up. What all of history will be like, we see fully revealed in Jesus. Jesus is what God looks like in the flesh. And all of history will be filled with the love we see revealed in Jesus. And why do I say this is a time machine? Because in baptism, most time machines, you know, like the DeLorean and Back to the Future, it, it takes us into the future. But baptism takes the future into us. Baptism takes God's future of peace, of grace, of mercy, of healing justice, and it brings it into us. That is all promised here. And so what we're about to open up is that all of that is caught up here. But the question again is, why baptism for Jesus? Jesus doesn't need his sins forgiven. I mean, Jesus is part of the Godhead. He's the second person of the Holy Trinity. Like he, Surely he doesn't need to be baptised. Like, Jesus is God's future in the flesh. Why, why would he need... So what's actually going on here? And that's what I want to spend a little bit of time so we can enter into some of that. Verse 13 reads, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan. And by the way, Jordan is significant for Jewish people, um, not the basketball star, but the river. For what reason? Why was the Jordan significant? They crossed over, yeah, yeah. So th this already is harking back to the time when another guy with the same name as Jesus in the Hebrew, Yoshka or Joshua, Joshua, led people into God's promised land. And they, they walked through the Jordan. The Jordan was part of them. So automatically, if you're a Jewish person and there's mention of the Jordan, you're thinking, wow, the Exodus. Central for the Jewish people is that God is a God who hears the cries of the oppressed. If you want to understand why the Charleston Nine and their families, the witness of that church and how they can love, is that they've been immersed, immersed in a future of God's forgiveness. And it's got a hold of them in such a way where they're like, this is not merely a once-off event, this is becoming the pattern of our lives. They worship a God who hears the cries of the oppressed. That church was burnt down several times. Martin Luther King preached in that church in 1962. The, the, the Mother Emmanuel African Methodist Baptist um, uh, Episcopal Church, it is so significant in terms of its history and it, uh, 34 of its leaders were killed for preaching that they were equal to anyone else. Their church was open to all races, but because other ra the white people wouldn't let them in their church, they started their own church, and the church was burnt down, and yet they continued to preach forgiveness because it was their reality. 34 of their leaders were killed, and yet it was re their reality because the Jordan for them wasn't something that merely the ancient Israelites passed through. They'd passed through it in the waters of baptism. For them, it was a living reality. The rabbis talk about that each generation must make the exodus journey their own. That it has to become a living reality in us. You might believe that God hears the cries of the oppressed. But do you? You might believe God forgives. But do we? And we can hear that in two different ways. And one brings condemnation and is a kind of grief that leads to death. And the other is a kind of grief that brings us to repentance and says, I want in. I need more of everything that is promised here. So we're in verse 1 and already there is this rich, evocative story that God hears the cries of the oppressed and that God is faithful to liberate. And Jesus steps into this. 
Verse 14, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. John says in uh, the Gospel of John, written by another John, that you must increase and I must decrease. We've got a, a slide here. Uh, if we can go to the next one. Thanks, Dr. Tash. This is, um, uh, I came for worship and I stayed for the art lesson. So those who are into uh, Byzantine iconography, anyone? Tough crowd, okay. Um, the, the image here and in uh, Byzantine iconography, this, this is all theological um, language, all the image and, and the way it's constructed is theological. The reason why John is leaning down and is becoming small is because he is being caught up in what God is doing in Christ, that this is an act of humility. And John, for us, is an example of how we respond. We're like, God would use us? God would involve us? Jesus comes to us and says, get caught up, in, and we're like, no, 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 no. John is right in saying that he must decrease so that Christ can increase. And so what goes on next is Jesus says, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Now, again, if you have a Jewish imagination, you already realize in the first chapter of Matthew that there's talk of seven generations in what for us is a really boring genealogy. But for Jewish people, this is like, this is the line of David, and there is one promised who will be a king, who will actually bring a kingdom of liberation. And already we're like seven generations, like seven days is harking back to creation. And then Jesus, our, our Lord, in verse 13, it's clear that him and his parents are refugees. They literally flee Herod into Egypt, much like how God's people go into Egypt with Joseph. And so in chapter 2, you're like, oh my goodness, this is like God's people. God was always looking for people to reflect him. Even in the garden, the original humans were to be images of who God is. The love, the forgiveness that you see so quickly from them, that was always God's desire, that you are made in the image of love. That you are made by love and you're made for love. And because of what Christ is doing here and ultimately in his death, burial, resurrection and ascension, that that love comes to live in us. So how God has saved us becomes how we witness to that salvation. And so... It, I mean, it, it's, it's so incredibly overwhelming here, but the bit about fulfilling all righteousness is that you're in chapter 2 and you realise that Jesus is the true Israel. You're in chapter 1 and you realise Jesus is the true Israel. And then it goes on in chapter 3 and they come out of Israel to Nazareth just like they came out of um, under Egypt, under Pharaoh, in that oppression, and God led them out. And you're like, God was always looking for a people to show the world what God is like to live that love, what God is like. And we have been so unfaithful and we've worshipped other idols and we've been formed by so many other different things. And yet Jesus is the true Israel doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, giving to God and showing, showing us what it is to be fully human, but also showing God fully revealed to us. And all of this is happening to Jesus. Jesus says that all righteousness is to be fulfilled and if we were um, Spanish speaking, we would, would use the word justice because the word in the Greek and the Hebrew are intimately connected. That righteousness means healing justice. That it's not merely a personal program, it's a social program. In fact, it's a cosmic program. And when Jesus says that it, all righteousness is to be fulfilled, it's that, don't miss this, for Jesus, 
Jesus isn't baptized because he has sin. Jesus is baptized for our sin. How God comes to meet us in our sin is that Jesus, as the true representative of what it is to be human, he goes under the waters into our sin. Jesus fully enters into the waters that we need to be saved through. Jesus takes on all and assumes everything that needs transformation. And so how God saves is through this kind of solidarity. Again, church, I'm preaching better than you're responding, so I'll say it again. How God saves is through solidarity. What righteousness looks like in Jesus is not, I'm better than them, I've obeyed the rules, I'm getting away from them, I, I think I'm better than them. But Jesus comes and takes on all the stuff that we want to hide with clothes, like in the garden. And Jesus, and, and traditionally the iconography, I, I didn't make it that racy for, for you guys, but traditionally the iconography has Jesus naked unashamed that this is the beauty of a human being, a human being who is love and we were made for that love, a human being whose very nature is assumed by mercy so that all that is not like that can be assumed. Jesus enters the water because he is the true Israel and does for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus' baptism that we see here is actually opening up a way for us to exchange everything that needs to be transformed in us for his transformation. So then John consented, it reads in verse 15. And just as John had to say yes and be humble enough as we see here to actually be part of Jesus' own baptism, so we need to be humble enough to receive Jesus' baptism. See, we're not baptised into the Jordan. And actually, theologically, it's not so much that Jesus is baptised into the Jordan as the Jordan is baptised into him in all, and all of creation is baptised into him. We are all baptised into him. When Sharon, in a moment, gets into these waters, she is baptised into Christ, into his faithfulness, into his faithfully reflecting to the world who God is, nothing but love, nothing but mercy nothing but grace. And so Sharon gets in these waters and realises that she is made in the image of love and that that's her call. And that would be enough, but the verse doesn't stop there. It says John consented and God waits for our consent to say yes to God's future, that God might have made us without us but won't save us without us. It actually requires our surrender and I didn't plan this, but I'm going to ask if somebody from the kitchen would actually get a jug and a glass. Jug doesn't have to be filled as we do that. Thanks. Can we start to see everything that's been caught up in this passage? And that baptism isn't about us and what we need to do. It's about God and what he has done. And this is a place that we can be assured that we're just getting in on it. See, you're not a spirit with a body. You're actually a body with a spirit. And so this isn't some, oh, if I get this knowledge and I understand right, that's what saves me. No, no, no. God is going to save your body from your flesh. Or let's use the Greek because it's less confusing. God saves our soma from our sarks. And you're like, no, Jared, that still wasn't helpful. What I'm saying, <laughs> what I'm saying is this, is that the Christian hope is that all of creation will be flooded with the love that we're baptised into. And we come out of the waters with that love We've said yes to that love in us. And now we move round the world as a sign of what the world will be. 
we become a sign of the future. People start to encounter us and they go, you're just as broken as me, you're just as problematic as me, this isn't about you. But something about your life says that righteousness isn't, I'm better than them. But, man, this is as much me as anybody else. If God is humble enough to come and take on all our sin and have solidarity with us, how much more should the church be marked by solidarity with those who are suffering, who are poor, who are outcasts, who are scapegoated? Whenever you have a righteousness that says, thank you, God, that I'm not like those, and, you know, the left and the right, they have different groups that they like to scapegoat, like the rich, like those fascists, like those bigots, like those homophobes. Or on the other side, it's like, like those unrighteous people, like those homosexuals, like those, those muzzos, those refos, some of which are right here with us as our brothers and sisters, by the way. But you know that kind of, like, we will protect ourselves against them. In Jesus' baptism, he says there is no longer a them that God isn't willing to assume and be part of. Jesus steps into the them that we've been named with and says, you can be a part of this as long as you're okay with being a part of them because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so the only way we receive this is going, all of us need this. And don't miss this. This is what um, the Orthodox call a theophany. It means a revelation of who God is. The Father, which is a mystery unknown, speaks over the Son, which is the Father revealed, the nature of the Father revealed, and says, this is my Son, whom I love and am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove. This is God revealing God. And God is revealed in coming in in all humility and taking on everything that is wrong. So Jesus goes on later to say, because uh, um, John and James, their mum, comes to Jesus and gets a quiet moment and he's like, so you're going to be the Messiah, you're going to be the king. Okay, so when you get into government, um, those are going to sit on your right and left, you know, head of finances uh, for, for the nation and, uh, I don't know, military, head of military. Can you save those positions for my son? And Jesus says, can you drink the cup that I drink and be baptised with the baptism that I'm baptised with? The baptism which we're baptised with is suffering love that it is not just God's solidarity with us in our sin, as if we could just stay there, but it's actually liberation from that sin through suffering love. You know why the Charleston Nine can forgive like that so quickly before the funerals ever happen? Because they daily have schooled themselves that their muscle memory has actually become responding with that kind of love, responding with that kind of grace, that they have let this not be a once-off event, but the pattern of their lives. So we read on. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water, the same language that is used of coming into the promised land, that which God promises for all of creation, the humility of God that God... Jesus was saying, I want to do the will of my Father. So that's God saying, I want to do God's will. Jesus' whole ministry is soaked and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That is God empowered by God to do God's will. And we're like, that's incredible. That's nice for God. And Jesus says, no, because of what I've done, you can get in on that by getting in on my baptism into Christ that that becomes not in our power, but by his grace. As soon as Jesus baptized, he came up out of the water. But at that moment, heaven was opened. 
See, baptism isn't how you get into heaven. We're baptized into Christ and that's how heaven gets into us. Heavens are open because God's will is that the earth be flooded with the glory of the Lord like the waters cover the seas, that all of reality will be just soaked in this grace and this love and your messiness, your brokenness. Jesus has assumed all of that. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin, that we might become the righteousness of God, this healing justice of God. You, your brokenness, it can be traded in for God's healing justice. This is what it is and why Tara was saying so beautifully at the start that this isn't you're not just this, this is not getting religion. This is joining grace's revolution. This is actually getting, we, we join a people who, who come up to us and are like, Jared, um, brother, how you responded on Saturday? I didn't look like Jesus, but I love you. And I can help you with that. And if we continue to respond with the humility of John, making ourselves decrease, that Christ might increase on our life, this baptism will become the pattern of our whole lives. Where if somebody was to walk in here on a Sunday with a gun and start shooting, how would we as a people respond? And the question is, will we respond out of these waters or will we respond in the waters of unforgiveness and selfishness and narcissism and idolatry that larger culture swims in? And the question is, Are we proclaiming this in such a way where we are dying to our old self that we might be raised with Christ? Because all of that is present here. Now, I asked a little earlier for, here we go, and I wasn't planning on doing this, but I'm actually going to fill this up. But as we were talking, it's, it's not a question of now that Sharon has repented, God will pour out God's mercy. It's because God has poured out God's mercy that we can now repent. And, and the question is not like, um, uh, will God pour out? But actually, Sam, would you help me out? If this is us, and maybe we'll hold it over so I don't get in trouble for wrecking the carpet. But God is always pouring God's mercy. But the question is, how empty are we to receive it? Because everything that is promised in these waters is ours. We can love like Christ loves because the spirit that empowers his ministry and rose him from the grave is in us. But if our life is full of all these other things, if, if our, our, our lives are stuff full of just stuff that's actually getting in the way, that water will overflow, but it's still being poured out. And there are some of us this morning that God is still pouring into our lives, but there are things that can't be soaked because we're just not making room. That we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, but as it says in Ephesians, be as, as some become drunk, do not become drunk um, like some, but instead um, uh, drink of the Holy Spirit, be refilled with the Holy Spirit. That some of us have let our lives be full of all this other stuff, that the power that God is pouring out on us right now, church, and yet, it's full of all this other stuff. Sam, I don't know what you're going to do with that, but thanks for helping me out. <laughs> Heavens have opened up, and now heaven is flooding the earth, and Jesus is using people like us, and it's like Sinners Anonymous. The first step is admitting you've got a problem, and then we take a fierce moral inventory of all our stuff and realize that all God needs is for us to go, I will decrease. God needs, like from John his consent. God needs just for you to go, 
I'm part of the problem. God needs from us to go, I'm not better than anyone else. I'm actually as bad as everybody else. And yet, would you take this and make something beautiful of it? The, the original beauty which I'm created in. Can I give you my shame that you give that back to me? And God says, yes. As we close, look at the moment the heavens were open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Now, if you're a Jewish person and you hear a story of a dove, what immediately, what stories are you going to bring to mind? The waters, of course, bring to mind the Exodus, but there's another story with water where we see a dove. It, of course, is what? Noah. And the dove brought what in its mouth? A twig, a, a sign of new creation, that there was land. Where is the twig? Or more accurately, who is the twig? The dove comes and descends on Jesus. Here's a sign of new creation. That what needed to be destroyed because it was so full of violence and sin, oppression and injustice, that Jesus is the sign that God's new world, there is dry land for us to inhabit. And he has made a way for us to receive it. Can you see how this is so full with all the stories, all the promises have found their yes and amen in Jesus? And the father speaks over him, what? This is my son, which of course is language of a, a calling, anointing, his kingship, his mission. It's saying that in here, Jesus is inaugurated. And ultimately, we'll see that inauguration on a cross. Don't miss that this morning. For Sharon to be baptized into this water is that for the father to say over her, because she's baptized into Christ, you are my child. God sees Sharon's life and sees not her sin, but sees the beauty of full humanity in her, in the son, and says, this is God's promise for you. You are my child in whom I am what? well pleased in whom I love and I am well pleased if it's true for Jesus ministry that before he has cast out any demons or done any teaching or healed anyone or um, included anyone that if it's true of our Lord if it's true of the second person in the Holy Trinity that his ministry starts with you are my child whom I love and am well pleased how much more so with us See, for Sharon to get into these waters, it's not just to say yes to the forgiveness of her sins, but it's certainly that. It's not to say yes to the seal of the Holy Spirit, but it's certainly that. It's not yes to be um, incorporated into God's people who are to be a giant Jesus in the world by the mercy and the love that we live, but it's not less than that. It's for her to actually be anointed with the anointing of Christ. Sharon becomes somebody to preach good news to the poor. Sharon becomes somebody to bind up the brokenhearted. Sharon becomes somebody to set the oppressed free because this is what Jesus is anointed for. This is who she's baptized into. Her sins are forgiven. She's saved from her Egypt for her promised land and that promised land is love. That promised land is love. It's what we're made for. It's where all of history is going. It's what Christ has come and um, beaten sin and death and the enemy on a cross and so we're baptized into the same love. That's why I wanted to end this morning by talking about um, my brothers Davud and Reza who are here this morning. And I pray that one day I will have faith like them. See, one of the things that the early Christians were so convinced of is in here you learn how to die. And in fact, this is a funeral today. But it is also a birth. 
you become born again here, but you also die to your old self. You die to the way that Egypt named you as a slave and you were born into the promised land as a child of God, that you are loved, that you are cherished, that you are precious and you are called, not just saved from, but saved for the kind of love that God has saved us with. It's all love. It's all love. And this is what Jesus invites us into. And this is why iconography is always shown Christ larger than the Jordan River. Because in actual fact, everything is being baptized into Christ. And as the angels wait to greet Christ, that ancient beauty which we're made in the image of, so Sharon is about to take on her ancient beauty that she will no longer be named by her sin and the things that are done to her or by her in the past or the things that she has done. Instead, she'll be named by what Christ has done for her in conquering sin and death. See, the cross was not the defeat of love at the hands of evil, injustice and oppression. The cross is love's defeat of evil, injustice and oppression at the nail-scarred hands of Christ. And Sharon is saying yes to all of that. So this morning, church, this isn't merely Sharon's baptism. This is a recommitting of ours, that we are baptized into Christ, that he has taken on all our sin, that we can take on all his healing justice that longs to flood the earth, that this is a time machine that brings the future into Sharon, so the way that she forgives, the way that she loves, the way that she dedicates her life to the lost, the last, the leaves and leftover, people will go, I hope that's what the future looks like. And then she gets to tell of our Jesus who makes it so. Are we starting to get a sense of the gospel and why it's good news? The sacrament of baptism is a mystery of where grace gets at us. And as we close this morning, I'm going to invite us to to respond. Some of us for the first time. And some of us, it's just getting in that pattern. So if somebody walked in and did... God forbid what happened at Mother Emmanuel Church, that we would be able to respond in the kind of way with the kind of mercy and forgiveness that people would go, that's a miracle. So this morning with with every eye closed and, and head bowed, just take this moment. Have you, like John the Baptist, given your consent for love to immerse your life? that you become a sign of God's future, God's kingdom, God's new creation? Have you said that yes to that previously? If you're, you're here this morning and you've never said yes to God's love, that you didn't realize that your, your, your meaning, your purpose, your destiny was love and you would like to give yourself to God's love, I just ask now while people aren't looking and heads about that you just raise your hand. If that's you this morning and you want to say yes to God's love, if you would raise your hand. And if you've previously raised your hand, that's a beautiful thing. Praise God. And if you've previously raised your hand, and maybe previously you've been in the water, but a bit like that cup, it's full of all this other stuff, and God continues to pour mercy out on you, and yet you haven't lived out of your baptism. Those things that your baptism prophesied that you were dead to, you've started to live in. That you've longed for flesh pots of Egypt instead of the manna from heaven that you've longed to go back to slavery instead of living in the promised land 
If you have been marked by God's love and have said yes to Jesus in the waters of baptism, but have slipped back into living like you were living under Pharaoh instead of under Christ, if that's you this morning and you need to be liberated with every eye closed here and head bow, if you would raise your hand so we can pray for you this morning. Praise God. Praise God. That's a beautiful thing. Church, we're going to enter into a time of baptism, but before we do, why don't we stand together and we'll pray and we'll confess together. As the band comes up, thanks, Kat. Let me lead us in in responding and... uh, Sharon, I'm really excited for this moment and it's, a, it's an honour to be a part of today. Church, let us pray. Lord, we just ask that you would take everything that is said and that which is not of you, it would fade away. But that which you're speaking today, Holy Spirit, take it and convict us with it in such a way that we would be cut to the heart and respond with the kind of change that is worthy of such a love. We want to be able to love like those martyrs and their families that we've seen in terms of Charleston. Lord, would you fill our lives with that kind of love? Lord, for those who raise their hand for the first time today, we we just rejoice that people are giving their consent to your love flooding their life. For Sharon, who today will be immersed in the promises that your forgiveness is hers. The seal of your Holy Spirit is hers that incorporation into your people to love like you have loved us is hers, that your future is hers, that heaven is coming and breaking in on her life. All of that is hers. Lord, we rejoice in that. And for those who are brave enough to say, our lives have become filled with stuff that isn't worthy of your love, Lord, we thank you for their courage and we thank you that as we move towards us, you are always moving before we even start. That the Father sees while we were far off running down the road. And Lord, we we rejoice in that. So Lord, most merciful God, we, your people, your church, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole being. We haven't loved our neighbor. We haven't loved the stranger. We haven't loved our enemy as we love ourselves because of your incredible mercy forgive us that we might delight in what you desire and walk in your ways to your glory Lord as your people now move on us in such a way that we want to lay everything down empty our cups so the mercy you are flowing into our life right now that we would be ready to receive your forgiveness and live your forgiveness receive your love and live your love lord we trade our hurt and our pain for your healing lord we 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 trade our scars and our bruises for your gracious healing come and meet us now we pray and god's people said amen